Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. God is good, and we're just thankful to be in His presence. Um, tonight we're continuing on our teaching. Uh, we're continuing on our teaching on gifts of the Spirit. We, we have covered the first apostles and teachers and evangelists um, and we're today we're going to talk about prophets and uh, with word of knowledge and wisdom and words of knowledge and wisdom and we're going to see how we talked about how Ephesians chapter 4 talks about those four I'm sorry those five gifts that are there to equip the body of Christ to do the works of God that we have and then there's also other scriptures. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge comes from First Corinthians chapter 12. And those are the manifestations, manifestation gifts of the spirit. It starts off in verse 7, chapter 12, verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So it's these gifts that, that all of us can possess. Uh, and that's an important thing because when he talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, To some, it's given the gift of apostleship, to some, given the gift of teaching, and, and so on and so on. With this, it says, To all, these gifts of manifestation. It's, it's, an, it's, it's a gift of encouraging for us to keep going. That sometimes we're like, Man, God, where are you? And God blesses us with this gift of manifestation, and we're like, Ah. Oh. You're, 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 uh, you're, still, you're still in me. You're still doing something in me, and so you're still using me. And this is one of those things, like the manifestation of the Spirit. It's like, it, it's kind of encouraging to see when God uses, sometimes it scares the life out of you when it happens. Uh, but it's, it's important, it's definitely important to see. So, to one, there's given through the Spirit the, me, uh, the, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge, or the word of knowledge, or word of uh, but means of the same spirit. So we're going to focus on that one, on verse 8. To one, there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge, but the means of the same spirit. So we're going to start off with the, the gift of uh, prophecy. And then we're going to get into the gifts of wisdom and of knowledge. And we're going to see how it kind of flows through it. I think the prophecy is like this big gift and, and the manifestation of wisdom and knowledge comes out of that gift of prophecy also. Kind of, it kind of flows pretty They're distinctly different, but they often come, they're clustered together. Yeah. So that's why we want to study them together because they make sense. Um, they're often, if you have the gift of prophecy, you will very often also have the gift of word of knowledge um, and hopefully wisdom. Because as a prophet, you need to have the wisdom of when to speak up and when to... Not. Yes, exactly. When to not. I like that. So first of all, just diving into prophecy. Um, prophecy is not fortune telling. Mm-hmm. Prophecy is not uh, health and wealth and prosperity teaching. Uh, pro- prophecy by its very nature is a proclamation of a word from God. That mm-hmm. God gives you a revelation. God gives you a word. It might be by, by a vision. It might be in a dream or it might be a message. Uh, but prophecy is a word from the Lord given by revelation and it's often future focused, but not always. 
uh, I think a lot of times we think of prophecy as, as, as again, this fortune telling, but yeah. prophecy is a word of revelation or a vision of revelation that comes from God um, for the edification of the church, but it's not always future focused. Um, specifically, prophecy comes with direction. So I want to look at First um, Corinthians 14, uh, which is just two chapters away from the scripture that my husband just read. And it says uh, that this is in um, chapter 14, verse 3. It says, everyone who prophesies speaks for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And so the purpose of prophecy is for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And this is just important for us to remember that prophecy is not just to make people feel good, but it's a word of revelation from God that may bring comfort. But honestly, nine times out of ten, a prophetic word is often given in rebuke. It's given in a challenge of exhortation or it's given in a challenge of repentance, uh, rebuking and correction. So just as an example of prophecy, I want us to look at uh, Acts chapter 5. Because the gift of prophecy is alive and well. It's not something that passed away with uh, the fulfillment of scripture. I have it. You have it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. You want to? All right. So the first one it says it starts at chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias together with mm-hmm. his wife Saf- uh, Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it in the apostles' feet. Then Peter, Peter said, Ananias, how is it Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to man, but to God. And then it, it, you keep going. Keep going. Yeah, when, Anani- when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And a great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young man came forward, wrapped his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the man who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So we see here that there's, a, there's a somewhat of a future element to this, what Peter has to say. But it happens almost instantaneously. The more important part of the prophetic word that that Peter gets in this story is that he is given a word from God and he knows things and he delivers a message like you have lied to God. And as a result, there's going to be a consequence. And that's the key element of, of a prophetic word is that usually there's a revelation from God, but then there's some sort of direction some sort of consequence that will come. When uh, Jonah was sent to Nineveh, he tells them to go and to tell the Ninevites to repent, otherwise the city will be destroyed. So uh, there's this term that's called prophetic witness, where you reveal the truth, and with the truth, people then have a choice. And that is an element that is missing mm-hmm. from a lot of people who would call themselves prophets and a lot of prophecy today, is that there, there's some sort of word of that could be encouragement or whatever but there's no call to action and the reality is is that when the truth of god is revealed there's always a choice 
Um, Joshua says that to the people of Israel. He says, I set before you today the choice between life and death, blessings and curses, right? And so when the truth of God is revealed, we always have some sort of a choice. So even with Ananias and Sapphira, there, there was a moment that could have been repentant, but God knew their heart. And so there's a consequence, and the consequence for them in this case, for both of them, was their untimely death. But when we think of prophecy, it's important for us to think of, uh, I think it's more helpful rather than just thinking of the word prophecy, to think of the term prophetic witness, that you are actually a witness to something, that you are a testimony to the truth that God is trying to reveal, and that you're calling people to some sort of action, whether it's repentance or obedience, um, even if it's a positive exhortation that... God calls you to tell someone an encouraging word. Um, we, you know, we were just with a gathering of believers last night, and there was a, a gentleman there, and you could tell that God was trying to give him a prophetic word, and he was, I just, I just, my heart went out to him because I was like, oh, I've totally been there. It's obviously like a new thing. He was super uncomfortable with it, and his voice got all shaky, and he's like, I promise I'm not crazy, but I feel like God is telling me to share this, and he just said that he he believed there was someone in the room who was suffering from an ailment, but they have not because they ask not. So they hadn't received healing because they hadn't, they simply just hadn't asked God in an open form among a bunch of believers for that healing. And so there's a way that when prophecy is delivered, um, there's some, a signature to it that is very rare and you'll know it by, by the truth that's being proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sense it in your spirit, but also there's this, there isn't an arrogance that comes with mm-hmm. pro- prophecy. Most of the time when a prophetic word is bought, brought forth because it's uncomfortable, because it's not something that would be openly known, and because it, it requires some call to action, usually the person who's delivering it, I mean, they can be a bold witness, but there's this self-consciousness, this, they don't necessarily even want to deliver the prophetic word because it's uncomfortable. So a lot of what we see happening in the church of people who are self-proclaimed prophets who are preaching health and wealth and prosperity, they're actually what the Bible evidences over and over and over again. That's actually false prophecy. Uh, And we're not testing the spirit to see whether or not this prophetic word is actually true. Is what they're prophesying coming to pass? And God's judgment, when God's judgment comes, he starts with the church. And as we mentioned about teachers, that those who would teach should be careful because they'll be held to a higher standard. The testimony throughout scripture over and over again is that the prophets will also be held to that same mm-hmm. high standard because they're, they're c- proclaiming and saying that they're delivering the actual words of God. And if, you're, if your words are your own and not the words of God, then God will judge you for that because he says you will be held accountable for every idle word that you speak. And how much more so if you proclaim that you're saying, thus saith the Lord, the Lord told me, the Lord gave me a word for you. Never open your mouth and say that the Lord gave you a word for someone unless you know that the word came from the Lord. Yeah, I, th- I think the hard part with that is the, is the accountability that people just kind of use that out there. We, you know, we, we've been joking about this since the beginning of our church. <laughs> when the Deuteronomy, when they talk about that, if somebody says that they're a prophet and they say something mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen, they're a false prophet and you should stone them. Right. You know, we always joke around. There's always a rock next to me <laughs> that if something comes up. But that's that's the problem because people say it. And if it doesn't happen, they're like, oh, you didn't have enough faith or you didn't whatever. No. If, but the church the has, Lord has so much confusion because yeah. we don't test. We don't test the spirit, which is actually one of our uh, points. So that was in First uh, John 4, 1. 
Oh, I want to go to Joel. If you got Joel, we'll go I there got next. Joel. But first, I want to look at First John. First John four one. It says, "Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world." In verse two, it says this. This he doesn't. He not only tells us to do this, but he tells us how. He says, "This is how you can recognize the spirit of God." Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So you can't say out of your mouth on one hand that there's universal truth, or that God is in everything and God is everywhere, and then say that you're a prophet, and God wants you to have health and wealth and prosperity, because... That is evidence that you're a false teacher. But if you're teaching that there is one way, one truth, one life, and that is through Christ Jesus, then in the next breath, if you're claiming to be a prophet, that's a test that whether or not you're truly preaching the word of God. Meaning if you alter the gospel, yeah. then you're a false prophet. I think, that, I think that's important that the prophecy needs to line up with the word of God. If it's something that is, does not connect to what the scripture says all of a sudden the prophet starts prophesizing over somebody and it has nothing to do with what jesus has taught on then it's it's not it you cannot speak with the holy spirit that that is not lined with the holy word right The, the, the writer was all the same but now you're speaking out and no, it's, it's, it's totally different. Right. So it's we believe be scripture was given through the Holy Spirit through prophetic revelation. Mm-hmm. And so if someone claims that they have a prophetic word, the number one test against that is you test it according to scripture. And if that pro- prophecy does not align with scripture, then it's not a prophecy from the actual word of the Lord. Yeah, and, and John in Revelation says, woe is the anyone who adds to, to this mm-hmm. words. Or takes away, <laughs> or right? Or takes away. Yeah, so when somebody's like, well, it's not really what... With the scripture, no, no. There's the you gotta stick with what, what God has already revealed. Mm-hmm. So in Joel two twenty eight, you can read that. Yeah, uh, Joel two twenty eight says, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even my, uh, on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So we see here that instead of prophecy becoming obsolete with the, the writing of scripture, God actually promises that he will pour out his spirit on all of his people and that all of his people would be able to have visions and dreams. And so we can all, if through the Holy Spirit, we have one Holy Spirit that's within us all. That God can give a prophetic revelation to any one of us if we, by faith, are open to it. So some of us might have dreams, some of us might have visions, some of us might receive a word or a message. But we have to remember, again, these prophetic messages, these prophetic words, are meant for the edification of the church. Mm -hmm. So they're not something that, it's something that will build up, that will call us to repentance, um, that will call us to obedience. So the message is always going to be the same, is my point. So if people might call all kinds of crazy things prophecy or say that they have a word from the Lord. Sure. But if it's not calling you to repentance, if it's not calling you to some act of obedience, then it's not a prophetic word. Because by wow. nature, prophetic witness calls you to obedience. A prophetic witness 
calls you to repentance. That's what a prophetic word does. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a message from the Lord, but it's not prophetic. Do you hear what I'm saying? So prophetic by nature causes this sort of transformation of the believer. And if it's not calling you to some sort of transformation, it, then it's not prophecy. Prophecy is transformative by nature. Yeah, so Isaiah 55, 11, I'll give this as an example. Because again, the scripture is, is a prophetic revelation in and of itself. So it says here in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and going on, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I tie this into prophecy because what happens through prophecy is that God makes his thoughts known. God makes his, his word known. He makes his ways known through prophetic revelation. And it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields so seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it out. So in other words, when God doesn't just give prophecy just for the fun of it, prophetic word comes in order to edify the church, in order to see what I'm saying, to transform, to build us up. And when God sends forth a prophetic word, it will always accomplish whatever it was sent out to do. If it was sent out and he knew that their hearts would be hardened, then their hearts will be hardened. If he sends it out knowing that they will be called to repentance, then that individual or that body of believers will be called to repentance. God's prophetic word always, always, always is faithful and true and accomplishes for the purpose for which it was sent out. It never returns to the Lord void. It always comes to pass. That's an important part about the nature of prophecy. That's why I say prophetic witness, prophetic truth, Rather than just saying, because again, I think the term prophecy has become, we have kind of an idea of it as if it's almost like, you know, you crack open a fortune cookie and the word that's on the piece of paper is a prophetic, <laughs> prophetic. That's not, that's not a prophetic word. <laughs> God does not necessarily speak in fortune cookies. He speaks through his vessels, the prophets. Yeah, and the, we need to remember, Paul talks about, talks about prophecies. He lists all these gifts of, of the spirit, but he says... I would rather you all prophesize because prophecy builds up the body of believers. You know, and there was he has this back and forth between tongues and interpreter of tongues and, and prophecy. And he's like, but I would rather you, because if a non-believer comes in and he hears people speaking in tongues, they're like, all right, well, this is not for me. But when you come in and you see people prophesy, so if you come in and somebody's prophesying and they see the, the bodies being built up, they see that the God's spirit is in there. So that's why he always talks about it. I would rather you prophesize than anything else. Right. So again, so the prophecy comes from the comes originates from the Lord and not from us. And it's transformative and it's always telling the truth. It calls us to action. Um, the, the next thing about prophecy, Second Peter uh, chapter one, verse twenty uh, I'll start with verse twenty. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And this is why I'm saying even just the nature of the person, someone who is going to bring a prophetic word, 
God chooses prophets with a nature, with a certain type of nature, that they realize that the word that they're speaking with fear and trembling Mm -hmm. did not come from them. So people who very self-proclaimed prophets who stand up and boldly proclaim and they have a sense of arrogance about them and the word that they're speaking, that's another way that you can test the spirit and tell very often that that's not a true prophet because the nature of the prophet, the word that they're delivering did not come from them. So they're going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be a certain sense of fear and trembling that they have in delivering it with integrity. Does that make sense? Uh, The next thing is, is in Amos... Uh, chapter three. And again, this is important to testify that prophecy is such an important gift and it's something that is alive and well and, and should be more prevalent in the church. Even, even back in acts, Paul says, and in Corinthians, he, he says that he wishes that they would speak five intelligible words of prophecy more than tongues. Cause even back then they were all obsessed with speaking in tongues. And he's like, Eagerly desire the greater gift, desire the gift of prophecy, because prophecy will build and edify the church. And so prophecy is this incredibly powerful gift that we have not, we have not appreciated and we have not cultivated within the body of Christ. And I believe that this is why there's so much false teaching. Mm. This is why there's so much division in the church because we've gotten away from allowing the Holy Spirit to speak prophetically. And first of all, we should start with the number one prophetic word is the way that God revealed himself in scripture. So if you want to know what prophecy is and what prophecy sounds like, we have to actually open up our Bibles and we have to read it. Um, before we can tell someone who is giving a, a prophetic word in the here and now and today. If you don't know scripture, then you're not going to be able to recognize when scripture is being spoken forth in yeah. right in front of you. But Amos chapter three, verse seven says this, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing to his, his plan to his servants, the prophets. Mm-hmm. Do you hear this? So when we're living in the dark, The church doesn't know what God is doing in the world. We don't understand what's happening around us. This is because we have not cultivated and we're not listening to those who have the prophetic gift within the church. It says here, God does nothing without revealing his plan to the prophets. So that means before his second coming, that's why Jesus says to those who believe that he should not come like a thief in the night, that we should hear rumblings where there should be prophetic Words being spoken that we see God's hand active in the world. We see how he's moving. We see what he's doing. And we sense that he's coming and that he's coming soon. That we shouldn't be caught by surprise because his Holy Spirit has given those prophets in the church to let us know what God is doing. Because he doesn't do anything without first revealing it to his prophets. So there should be those who are rising up in the church who can help us understand what is God doing? What is the rumbling that's happening? And it's almost, a prophet is almost like a translator. They hear what God is saying and they translate it into words that the church can understand. Moses was prophetic like that, right? The Israelites were around the base of the mountain and all they could hear was a rumbling like thunder. And they were terrified of meeting God on the mountain. And so Moses goes up because they were too afraid. They, they were like, you go we, up, you talk to him. If we speak to God, he's going to kill us. We can't withstand it. And mm-hmm. so God chooses certain messengers who can speak with him face to face the way that Moses did. And Moses had that prophetic gift that he heard from the Lord and then he brings the word back to the people. And God is, God is not silent. God is speaking even today. And there have to be those in the church who have been given that anointing and that calling to tell us what is God doing? 
What is God's will for us as a body of believers? What is God's will for us individually? You know, that, that they see um, someone who has a prophetic gift. You'll be praying in your prayer closet at home, asking for God to give you a word or give you a revelation and give you understanding about your situation because you don't know what's happening in your life and you don't know why your life is going the way it's going. And what you should be praying is, God, send me someone with a prophetic gift or give me the prophetic gift in order to understand what it is that you're trying to tell me. Because God is speaking, but we're not hearing him. We're not understanding him. And that's because we need these translators. We need the, those with the prophetic gift in the church to help us understand what it is that God's saying. Even in his word, his word is here and it's revealed, but someone with a prophetic gift can take the word off the pages and give it to you in a way that you can understand. So a prophet is not always saying something new. Sometimes a prophet is actually taking an old scripture, dusting it off, and bringing it to you in a completely fresh way that you have understanding where before it was just words on a page. But now his word is living and active because someone with the prophetic gift is able to take that and, and show how the word of God is relevant in the here and now and today. Yeah, the great example is of Peter in Acts chapter 10. Uh, it starts off, to, the whole chapter is, shows prof- being prophetic and everything else, but we're going to do... Uh, chapter 10, verse 9. This is uh, Peter, um, first uh, looking at Peter. About noon the following day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds in the air then the voice told him get up peter kill and eat surely not lord peter replied i have never eaten anything impure or unclean the voice spoke to him a second time do not call anything impure that god has made clean this happened three times and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven while people peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision the men sent by cornelius found out where simon house was and stopped at the gate they called out asking for Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to say something? Mm-hmm. No. So this, this text, this story actually gets uh, is an example of both prophecy and the next gift that we're going to share about, which is word of knowledge. So word of knowledge is not something that we talk about very often in the church. I don't know if you've had experience with a word of knowledge, if maybe you've been given a word of knowledge in the past, but a word of knowledge is, is very similar and often comes very hand in hand with prophecy, but it's slightly different. So like I said, a prophetic word is a word of God, a word, but it calls you to transformation, calls you to action. A word of knowledge is information it's you're given facts or information that you would literally have no way of knowing Hmm. that's what a word of knowledge is so you might be in prayer for someone and as you're praying all of a sudden you realize that that person they never didn't tell you you didn't know no little birdie you don't have cameras in their house but you know that they've been struggling with insomnia 
Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden you can either ask them and say, I'm sorry, do you struggle with insomnia? Or, or you have a strong enough sense that as you're praying, you start to just pray for their insomnia. And you say, I, the Lord wants you to know that he sees you tossing and turning with anxiety at night. And he wants you to know that, that the Lord gives sleep to those whom he loves. And there'll be a word of knowledge and the person will just be amazed at how did you know that? Because I didn't tell you and there's no, and it, again, it's, you're not that smart. It, that's usually how you know it's a word of knowledge because you're not smart enough. There's no way you would have figured it out. Mm-hmm. There's no way you would have had that knowledge. And again, just keep in mind, like with all of these gifts, God usually gives you gifts that are scary and they call you out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have this prompting in your spirit where you just know something that you'd have no way of knowing. And just like this man that I shared about last night where he's like, I promise I'm not crazy. You feel the need to almost give this disclaimer. Like I'm not I'm not crazy, although I feel crazy right now. I haven't right been now. stalking you. I, been I don't have cameras in your house, I promise. So this story with, with Cornelius and Peter, Peter has a prophetic vision of, of and, and that's why we chose this story, because it shows both prophecy and word of knowledge, and you can see them next to each other and see how they're different. And so the prophecy is that he has this vision um, that's for the edification of the church to, to let us know that we no longer have to follow the food laws and the food rituals because God has made everything clean. That's a prophetic vision, a prophetic word. But then he's told, he says, while he was still thinking about the prophetic vision, the spirit says, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. That's a word of knowledge where all of a sudden he just knows that there's, there's three men downstairs. He knows very specific information. And actually, right before this story, Cornelius also is given a word of knowledge. Um, that's why the three men even show up. So Cornelius is there and he's praying. And I, I actually love this story because he's, he's praying and he says, what is it, Lord? And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God. Send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is named Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And I love that it's so exactly specific. He's like, You're, send men to this town. Look for this man who's in this guy's house. And, it, and in, just in case you need direction, it's by the sea. he's over by the sea. And, and that's how word of knowledge works. And again, the, the amazing thing is, is that the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. And why are we not seeing these gifts more prevalently in the church? This is something that God wants to do in his church. He's, he's eager to pour out these gifts on his people. And we're happy to just settle with an hour on Sunday singing songs and lifting up our hands and having a sermon with a, with a tear-jerking altar call. And he's like, I want to pour out gifts of prophecy on you. I want to give you words of knowledge. I want to show you right things that, that are beyond your understanding. I want to give you more than you could ask or imagine. But we're not even hungry for these gifts because we don't understand them. We don't even know that they're here. Yeah. And this is so amazing. And the same, I want to give one more example of a word of knowledge, um, which is Jesus with the woman at the well. Hmm. And this is a really well-known story. So you probably could recite it by heart. Jesus comes to the well and he begins to have this interaction with the woman. But what does he do? And what is it that the transforming power of a word of knowledge She's, he asks her for a cup of water and they have this dialogue, right? But eventually he says, go call your husband and come back. And she says, 
I have no husband. This is John chapter 4. I'm in uh, verse 17. And Jesus says, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. That is a word of knowledge. Like, he knows specific things about this woman and about her life that he would have no way of knowing. And we see how this is tied. Her response is, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. And this is why I chose this story, because you see how word of knowledge comes very close to prophecy. She, she already knew where he was going. She's like, okay, you've given me a word of knowledge. I know that something is coming, because obviously the, the word of knowledge that he gives is one that she's not proud of. It's one that's going to call her right to action. It's going to call her to repentance, that she knows she's not living a godly life. And so he, she already anticipates that prophetic call which, again, prophecy is a word that is transformative and calls you to action. A word of knowledge is just facts and information. The prophetic calls you to action. And so they're very, very close together, and, the, and God uses them often in tandem, but they're distinctly different. Um, and the Holy Spirit uses both of them to give us revelation. And, and the way Scripture says that it's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, right? Cutting between bone and marrow, getting to the very heart of man. And this is how he does it, is through words of knowledge and through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're so busy fighting about tongues that we're missing out on this incredible wealth of spiritual gifts. How amazing would it be? I mean, it would be kind of scary to come to church if you knew that you just you feel like you're walking in and you're just vulnerable because someone is going to know something like, hey, I saw what you were doing Thursday night. And you're like, wait, what right. a minute. You know, it's like, right. what? How did you know, you know? Um, and nobody coming to church. <laughs> we're, but we don't even know that these gifts are available and we're not taking advantage of them. Um, the way that, and so the, the, the church is living in so many ways just powerless and impotent without that transforming work in the world. And when God is like, I want to I move among you. I want to pour out my gifts on you, not sparingly, but generously. These are the kind of things that he has in store for his people if we're just open and ready for it. But we have to know that it exists. And then we have to pray for these gifts. And, and then we also have to obediently cultivate these gifts because they're scary. They're, when, when you first get a word of knowledge about someone, it's a really scary feeling. It's, it's intimidating because... You don't know how they're going to respond. You might be rejected. And I didn't even share about that. But what happens, you know, we all want to be prophets or whatever. But what happens to the prophets? They get scorned. They get rejected. They get, they killed. get killed. Right? So a church that's living and active and really walking in the spiritual gifts, you can see now why with, with words of knowledge or prophetic words, you, you start to face persecution. Right? And the last... Um, the last gift we're going to talk about today is, is wisdom, which is the example is what, Stefan, you were going to share in Acts, right? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about, about um, the word of knowledge, as, as you can see in, in, both, in both of those examples, that led to people getting closer to God. Like with Peter, I think, he went, he went to the Gentiles, and there's a, there was, probably was a good chance that if he wouldn't have seen that thing, that, uh, that vision... And saw that those who were unclean now are clean. That means they can get get saved. They can hear the gospel. They can uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Before that, he wouldn't even mix with them. He right. wouldn't have gone into his house. He wouldn't have talked to. He a wouldn't Gentile. have talked to them. Yeah. So that led to some, because of what, what their relation was. It, it 
brought those people closer to God. And the same thing with her. She got changed. She became closer to God. And then she told others that brought him closer to Jesus also. So there's that change. It's not as the this, uh, gift of knowledge. It's not just to gossip and to find out cool, juicy things. It's to bring people <laughs> right. closer to God. You know, because honestly, if somebody gets a word of knowledge and they're like, oh, I know something about you. you That's not what it's intended for. for. <laughs> you should pray for, for the sister so-and-so because this is what she did. You know what I mean? This is what God revealed to me about mm-hmm. her. No, it's between you and that person. And what did Peter do when he showed up with him? He's like, this is what God revealed to me. This is why I'm here. This was between him, mm-hmm. you know, so right. that, that's an important part. But yeah, Acts chapter 7, right? 6, 10, I'm sorry. Acts, Acts chapter 6, verse 10. And I know I put the thing in my chicken. And I, I absolutely love this, um, this scripture. Uh, this is Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. And he was doing am- amazing things. He was one of the seven that was chosen by the apostles. Um, and he, he starts arguing and uh, debating all the, all the Sadducees and the Pharisees and everything else. And it says in uh, verse 10, 6 verse 10, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. So there's this wisdom behind his words. And why? Because the spirit w- was inside of him. And as you, as you read through after that, he, he does this amazing, amazing. God gives him all this wisdom of how to bring from Exodus all the way to Jesus. It's, it's this deep wisdom that, that he show, shows to us. So, but again, it is done one, it is done uh, through the Spirit. Two, it is done with the knowledge of the Word of God. That's why he went to them. That's why they couldn't break him. Uh, and he did that so he was hoping it would bring him closer to God. Uh, but it actually agitated him. martyrdom. Yeah, which goes back to what happens to when you start speaking of the Word of God. Right. Some people might not take it the way you want it to. Right. And we, like wisdom, you might tend to think of it as this relatively harmless gift like you know wisdom of elders it's kind of like this noble stately thing but with the wisdom of god challenges the wisdom of men and it makes mm-hmm. people upset and so you see so it's literally stefan was chose chosen by the apostles in acts chapter six because they were they were full of he was full of wisdom it says choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom so Stephen was chosen specifically because he had the gift of wisdom. And he's martyred because of the gift of wisdom. And so there's difference between wisdom, like I just know a lot of things, right? And I know a lot about a lot of stuff. That's not the wisdom that we're talking about here. We're talking about a wisdom that challenges the, the strongholds and the knowledge and the wisdom of this world. And it rattles things at the very foundation. And the difference between wisdom and words of knowledge, like I said, word of knowledge is more information and facts and details. Wisdom gives you direction about what to do with that information. So if God gives you a word of knowledge, you need wisdom, like my husband was saying, about what to do with it. You don't get a word of knowledge and then go gossip about the person. You don't get a word of knowledge and then rudely confront that person. You come to them with love and with wisdom about why God gave you that revelation to begin with. So wisdom is an important spiritual gift 
because wisdom tells us what to do with the information that God has given us. Some of us, we want the revelation, but we don't seek the wisdom Mm. of what to do with that information. Mm -hmm. And so we wrongly handle the word of truth because God will give us a revelation, but we don't have the wisdom of what to do to actually do about it. We just kind of like knowledge for the sake of having knowledge and that's puffed up right yeah it talks a lot about that and that's something that we should always pray before we read the scripture is god give me wisdom of what i'm saying because it's just going to go in one ear and comes out the other but we need to be able to hold on to that and understand how we can use that um in in this world how we can use that to be closer to god how we can use it to bring other people closer to god we need that that wisdom has to come connected with knowledge right we need to know the scripture we need to know the gospel we need to know uh, how the spirit works so that way we can use that um, to have wisdom to to use all that knowledge right. because otherwise it's it's it's, it's kind of empty empty right. words the other distinction about wisdom is that wisdom is is not given necessarily in isolation to one person but wisdom is found through communal discernment you actually mentioned that hmm. earlier so we see in acts chapter 15 that the church was threatened to be divided because there was a teaching that went out that unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by moses you cannot be saved and it started to create this huge dispute in the early church and they didn't know what to do about it and so they went to the elders of the church remember those who were chosen because of their wisdom right and they bring this dispute to them saying we have Gentiles now who have been saved and who have been given the Holy Spirit. Do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to follow the law of Moses? Like, what is the expectation for these new believers? How do we make them fit? Because they don't fit with us right now. And so they seek the elders, and the elders begin to have discussion and debate, and they pray for wisdom about what to do with the situation. And the wisdom comes up with a really certain, a really simple answer, and they just say, we just ask you to... For these few things, that you are to abstain from food sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and sexual immorality, you will do well to avoid such things. And so wisdom is like, here's a simple answer. Wisdom tends to make a really complex situation simple and practical, and it brings unity to the body of Christ. So if we're having division in the church, if there's um, disagreements and dissension, the, the gift that we need to come to the forefront is the gift of wisdom. Again, sometimes we have these issues in the church, but we don't even know what to rightly pray for. We want to know the truth. We want to argue with each other. And and churches split and divide over some of the most trivial disagreements. And what they should be doing is saying, in this situation, Lord, raise up someone with the gift of wisdom. Or a group of people, give us wisdom so that we can figure out how to handle this dispute in a way that's simple and brings unity to the body of Christ. Yeah, I love, the, I love that you're using the unity to the body of Christ, that we can all fall under this thing to, to better the body of Christ, not to, well, these, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And the, the other thing is, is, is how wisdom is there. In James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. It's, it's just, it's right there for us. We should, should, we should ask it. We should seek it. We, because that, that's what's going to help us to tr- be transformed by, by the knowledge of, of the Word of God and by the knowledge of having the Spirit in you. Uh, that, that is very important. And I think um, because of that wisdom, Jesus was able to 
preached to so many because the scripture is filled, the gospels are filled how they try to confuse him and trap him and everything, everything like that. And he just had wisdom, not only see through the entrapment, but also how to just absolutely blast them. Right. And then it's the same, same thing happened with the apostles when they were questioned, Peter and John was questioned. They're like, aren't they just fishermen? Like, how, do they, how could they speak with all this authority and wisdom and power? It's because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised not to worry about what you're going to say or because the, when the time comes, the Spirit is going to give them, give them the, those words. And so it's just those simple things. Of, even when somebody's like, how do you know that, that you will be saved? Well, I, 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 no, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you. You will testify. You will know. But you also need to have knowledge to be able to, to give the, the wise answer. Right. And some of us, you know, the church is stuck in these long-standing arguments, these long-standing problems. And what we're really lacking is, is the gift of wisdom. You know, Jesus grew with favor with God and in wisdom over the course of his life and ministry. And we should, as believers, be growing in wisdom because, like James says, if we just ask for it, God will give it to us generously. And wisdom allows us to look at the same old circumstances and come up with a new out-of-the-box solution. You know, like you mentioned, they, where how Jesus had wisdom against the, the teachers of the law. They come and they, you know, cor- try to corner him about paying taxes, right? It was, a, it was a sharp argument that some people believed that they should pay taxes and other people said, no, this money belongs to God. And Jesus takes the coin, right? And he has wisdom and he has an answer that's outside of the box. He says, give to Caesars what is Caesars, give to God what is God's. And it blows their mind because he, he totally looked at an old argument and he came up with an, a solution that defied both sides that the world and life is not black and white. Mm-hmm. And the church needs people to stand in that gap with wisdom. You know, I was having this conversation with my son, uh, the discussion about whether, you know, evolution or creationism, you know, there's all this evidence that the earth is an old earth, but creationists believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old. And my answer was just, well, why couldn't God create the earth and make it old from the beginning? Why couldn't he create an earth that was yeah. old? And that's not something that's typically discussed, but that's, I mean, I, again, I'm not that smart, but in the conversation, the Lord gives you wisdom if you ask for it. And the church right now desperately needs people with wisdom because the church is more fragmented and more divided than ever. And we need people who can see not black and white opposite ends of the argument, but someone who can see the truth of God that's usually somewhere in the middle um, or takes off the table both arguments altogether and comes up with a new solution. Yeah, and I like a lot of times the wisdom is the simple things. It doesn't have to be this doctoral, big words kind of thing. It's like, why is it going to be old? Or where he's like, well... What is the picture of a coin? Well, it looks like Caesar. Give it to Caesar. You, you created in the image of God. Then you, you belong are, to you God. You belong to God. Very simple. So sometimes it's just, it's the simple things. And we, we try to be like, oh, saith the Lord, if upon the whatever. Just get to the point. We think theologians and PhDs have to solve the church's problems when really it's just simple. They were fishermen. The simple believer. Exactly. Who... <laughs> can think outside the box and, and come up with a practical solution to the church's problems. We just need to surrender to the Holy Spirit and let, let him do all those great things in us. Mm-hmm. Right? Amen. Amen. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. 
If you'd like to contact us, please email us at fourchurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.